Welcome to Horror and More with Anya Gore. I'm your horror mistress, Anya, and tonight I have a very special guest that I'm really excited to introduce and speak with. I've got Rawl of Rawl of the Dead. Hi, Rawl. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me on your podcast. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you for, for being on my podcast. I've been yeah, a fan of yours for a while. Oh, nice. Thank um, you. And for anybody listening, so Rawl is a conceptual dark horror photographer, and I saw that's how you coined yourself, but I wanted to ask, should you have a slash videographer title there? I don't. I've been doing video for maybe two years, seriously, two years. So it's newer. And so it's still newer. I'm still trying to figure out the pricing for that, but I think it's all under the same umbrella, Rawl of the Dead. Even though it's all the photography, I'm I'm actually providing uh, more of a video service as well. So I might change the title to just either Roll the Dead Production or Media eventually. I think because it's beginning to be a more broad. Um, I'm beginning to do more than just photos. I'm beginning to do more videos, short stories, um, ads for companies. So. It's under it's a it's 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 a lot more to it than photography now. Well, I, I kind of checked out all of your links, and you are a man that wears many hats. Yeah, yeah, and I'm for the most part, it's uh, it's I just I started just doing little by little, and it started to grow from there, and started with ideas. But every time I get an idea, I feel like I always have to see it through and not just talk about doing it so i end up just going full-blown with it whether it's the magazine whether it's a website videos short stories i just want to finish what what the idea is in my head and see it through so next thing you know there's all these projects on the floor that i'm looking at i'm like wow i got a lot of stuff going on so <laughs> so yeah it is i do wear a lot of hats and editing takes up most of my time for Pretty much everything. I think people don't realize how much work goes into editing. There's hours of it that I think people don't see because they only see the stories that I post or the pictures and the small little videos on the Instagram stories. But they don't see the hours I'm in behind the monitor most of the time. Not watching TV, just editing. And, you know, it'll be from 12 to 6 and I'll be six hours of just straight editing and like, it's just for one session and I'm still editing and like, this is taking up so much time. So people don't realize how much goes into it all in the pro in the post processing processing of all that stuff that I'm doing. You know, it's interesting that you say that because when I started doing the dark art myself, that is something I was never privy to either. <clears throat> when you're, when you're hiring a photographer or you're working, collaborating with a photographer, yeah. The only part of it that you know is being in front of the camera and then you wait and you get these images provided to you, but the the, <laughs> the volume of editing, yeah, that you're talking about, and especially if it's, I would imagine if it's a really good shoot for you and you're really vibing with the, the yeah. whole you know, concept and, and visually it's just hitting the mark for you, then you're taking even more photos. Yeah, usually it, it's, it, I narrow it down between like, 
I'm trying to narrow it down a little bit more when I edit photos. <clears throat> um, sometimes it's hard because it's like so, all the photos look great sometimes, and so, some if they look the same, I I I still save it. Or I still like favorite. Like I'll put a star next to it. When I go back a second or third time is when I'll start to really break it down to where okay these two kind of look similar i can live without this other one so i try to make it at least less than 100 whereas before i used to do three or 400 edited photos <gasps> wow. i'm trying to i'm trying to now narrow it down to at least 50 to 100 depending on how long it is like the one i just did with danny divine it, it wasn't a long shoot it was an hour and a half i think but all the photos look really great and i don't know what she's gonna like out of them and i'm just like going through them right now and editing them and i was like wow I go, okay well i'm only 50 edits in and there's 186 that i saved that are favorite and from there i'm going to narrow it down to like 125 hopefully wow. but it's a lot it's a, it's a lot of editing so um so yeah i try to not do the five six hundred where i used to like edit all the photos all the ones that were, look good if they're all pretty much the same, people post two to three pictures of the session on Instagram, and it's not necessary for me to edit that many photos if we're only going to post a few of them. So I'm trying to get it down below 100 now and try to keep it in that area, you know, not edit so much anymore. Right. Uh, I'm glad that you bring up the Instagram thing because I... I took a look at and listened to the video that you post about yourself and about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. and something that there's a couple things that you said that really resonated with me. So anybody listening, please hop, hop over to Rawl's website and you get a visual of what Rawl looks like and connect with and you can hear him talking about what he does. But and there's a couple things. One of the things you said was physical print has a certain uniqueness but that Instagram just will never have being an online digital platform exactly in, instead of physically seeing the details in the pictures yeah I think that gets lost uh, a lot in Instagram because if you go on Instagram like the way I do or maybe the way a normal person does where I've seen people they just just jump in and they'll hit a they'll double click the photo or hit the hit the heart or whatever they spent maybe a half a second looking at the picture and then they move on. And so I, I do I do it too. I look at the picture like that looks great. I hit the lane. I keep going. So the stuff I have to put out there has to be good quality. And it's what that's what I was talking about was like you're missing the bigger picture because when I'm editing and looking in the big screen, there's so much more detail that people are not seeing that I wish they could. So that's why I wanted to do the magazine. So. All my all my favorite pictures that I've taken for the last few months can go in the magazine, and people can actually see it, touch it, look at it, and you know, have a more of a an experience with the photo instead of just on your phone when you're at the bus stop or wherever you're at work, <laughs> in the it's bathroom, true. whatever, cooking. Yeah. You know, people are just distracted all day, and you're not really looking at what I'm what I'm seeing. So, Instagram is great, but it's not great for like photographers because it's you're, you're you're not seeing the whole thing that like that I'm seeing and what I want to see with other photographers when I see their photos like wow I would love to see a bigger print of that and it looks great on the phone I could just imagine what it would look like you know in a magazine or in a poster or something 
And so that's why I thought it was important to do something where I can at least provide a service where you can look at them in a, in a print form. Absolutely. Well, and I saw that. So you've had five issues out or six now? We have five issues currently out, and the sixth one is coming out. Maybe by the time this podcast hits, it should be out. We're trying to shoot for May, okay. early May. So... Uh, I just looked at the, uh, the the draft of it, and it looks really good so far, and I'm excited to put it out. Amazing. Yes. I I, I love it. Like, you you also do merchand you do t-shirts, merchandise. I just started merchandising my own shirts. I had these um, this one guy from the UK is an artist, and I got a couple of his prints that I really loved. I love his style, and I wanted to put them on some shirts, so I decided. Let me purchase these off of him, and maybe it can grow to another type of business that I would like is having shirts. Um, maybe even some of my photos. I haven't really thought of it through yet, but people have requested, like, would you ever put that photo that you took on a shirt? And I was like, I never really thought about it, but I've had a few people request it. So that's something I'll explore later on down the line. For now, I wanted to see how these these shirts that I just put out, these two designs, I want to see how those do first and see if anybody is interested. I, so I'm calling this company Infernal Tees. So it's separate from Roll of the Dead. It's just Infernal Tees is, is the company that I'm the only person that works for it. <laughs> so it's just my company. So um, so if anybody's interested in that, it's all available on my website. It's all, it's all on there as well. It's great because looking at those images and seeing your website, seeing the music that you've done, and your photography, it, it, it all connects. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, even like the music I used to play, I used to be in a death metal band in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, all I was always into like darker stuff and since I was a kid, so growing up, um, it always appealed to me watching movies in the 80s, all the slasher movies. You know, me and my brother used to just rent VHSs all the time. Anything that was horror-related, the, the the more gory, the better, you know. We watched all of them. We just wanted to watch them all. And I don't, I don't retain all the information from every single movie, so I don't have that type of memory where I can remember every single scene like some people do. But there are movies that I've obviously... I've attached myself to that I really love. And um, those are the ones I kind of remember more, more of the, uh, my favorite movies that I have. Right. It's hard because if you're, I would imagine as well, when you're creative the way that your brain seems to work, you're constantly circling with creativity. And so it's almost like it comes in, you create, it goes out, you're on to the next thing. And it would be the same with movies. You see it, you absorb it, and you're on to the next thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like same with the ideas I have. Uh, sometimes they come to fruition, sometimes they don't. Um, it's just part of the learning process. Like when, even if I'm doing like a video idea that I have and we could talk about it for months and months go by and we finally get to do it, you know, and it's like people don't realize how long we've been planning to do some of these film, some of these short stories. Um, and sometimes they come really quickly. Sometimes it's just an idea 
And next thing you know, two weeks later, we're already doing it. You know, like the Exorcist one that I did with Sam and Jay doing the makeup, it was their idea. And they brought me on board to do the photos and the video. I go, I cannot wait to do this. And it just all came together really quickly. And it wasn't thought out too much. So, and some other ones take a little bit longer. Like when I did the Scream one, um, that one was talked about for a couple months and then filming it took a little bit of a long uh, longer than I thought it was gonna take and that's what I'm learning as well as like if you think it's gonna take two hours just double it it's probably gonna take four hours oh so that's a learning curve to really get to that point hey yeah even like if I come prepared like sometimes I'll I've been learning that if I just write down my shot list of what what shots I want to get uh, that helps move the process along a lot quicker too so so I'm not just uh, winging it when I get there once in a while I do have to do that but if I can help it if I get it uh, enough notice I can just write down my ideas of this is what the shot I want I want a close-up of this then I want the back of the head or the front or or zooming in zooming out but I got to write it all down because otherwise when I get to the location with everything going on I'll forget all that stuff and then I'd rather just have my ideas on a piece of paper where I could see it and go through it. And and I noticed when I did that last time, it went a lot quicker. I was like, I'm already done with all my shots. I'm good. Wow. Yeah. So it's it does help. So And that's part of learning when you're out there shooting and seeing how people work. Um, you start to get an idea like next time I'll do this and next time I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm always learning something when I'm shooting. There's always something I learn till this day. I'm still learning like, okay, that didn't work. This is what I need. What tools can I bring in? What ideas can I bring to make this process faster and more efficient? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so have you, you, you've been doing this for 10 years now? You're on your 10th? I'm on my 10th year this year that I picked up a camera and decided to explore photography. And I didn't think I was going to, I don't know, I didn't really think of, think it through. <laughs> I didn't think that through either. I just like picked up a camera because I wanted to take better photos than my phone was taking. And, and the journey just took me to where I'm at now, where my passion has just only grown every single year to the point where now I'm just at a really high level of passion where this is all I want to do and this is all I think about this is all I all my all my downtime is me thinking of ideas camera related what gear I need learning I'm still I, I take online courses I'll watch YouTube stuff anything that's gonna help me uh, get be better I'm just constantly just learning all the time so if I'm not editing, I'm learning something. Which is crazy to me because you're very talented already. I just, when I look at oh, your images you. and your videos, I can't possibly imagine how you're even going to up that. But then you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I, I, I try. Sometimes I'm like my harshest critic and I'll look at it and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. I could have done something better or I could have lit it with another light or... You know, just sometimes I just look at it and I'm like, uh, I could have just done the exposure a little bit better. But when you're out in the field, sometimes 
you're just trying to like get your shots and not waste anybody's time. So it's also something you have to like uh, do really quickly as well. Um, change sometimes locations change, so therefore my lighting changes. So you have to think on the fly as well. So sometimes that'll mess me up too, and I'll see my images and I'll be like, oh, I guess I could have done something a little bit different or better. Um, so I try to do the best I can. I try not to do anything that's gonna that I have to rely on post. Like you know, people say, oh, we'll just fix it in post, or you'll Photoshop that and you'll Photoshop. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that later. I want to do less editing. Let's try to do as much as we can while we're here in the studio or our, our location. Let's just get the idea. Let's just do it here. If we can fix it, it'll take a minute or two. Let's just fix it, you know. So that's that's um that's something that I've that I've learned and adapted to. That adapting to change really quickly it has helped. And not to panic. Don't get panicked over a certain change or, you know, if my light doesn't fire after 20 shots and it just misses a shot, I don't stop. I just keep going because, you're, you know, you're in, a, you're in a groove, you're in a mode with the model and you can't just stop and be disappointed that you're, something didn't happen. Just continue doing it. And that's why I try to tell people in the workshop that I, that I did. I've done two workshops and tell them, don't worry about the light. If it's not going to fire all the time, just continue firing. Don't let that mess up your mode. Just keep going. You know, you have to. You have to. You have to. You have to keep doing it that way because uh, you can't have distractions. And I get distracted a lot on photo shoots. Um, How it distracts you? Um, people, people mm -hmm. like coming up to me and asking. You know, we get creepers. I've had a few creepers uh, disturb our shoot and come up, and it's like, you got to tell them nicely. You can watch, but can you watch from a little bit further down because this is kind of our space that we're working in. Do they come and, in and try to really get in your space while you're... Yes, <gasps> yes. Hey. Yeah, I've had that happen recently, so um, it's happened a few times, so I've always had... And they come up to me like right up to the model and they'll they'll say you're beautiful oh my god uh, you look great and like there are now you're making the model uncomfortable mm -hmm. and so i i'm a professional so i just tell them look dude I go, we're in the middle of doing something something right now um it's like no, no i just want to watch i go i know but and that's nice of you but can you just give us some space here so can i watch right here and i don't even want them to watch because it's already creepy but I don't want to escalate the situation, so I tell them, can you just step like a few feet away? And they'll be like, okay. And then eventually they go away because I just try to ignore them as much as I can and just talk to the model and say, okay, let's do this, this, and try to get back in in a groove, you know. Well, what, that kind of is a nice segue into one of the reasons I really wanted to chat with you was as a dark art model myself i know my perspective and my side of that but mm -hmm. i'm really curious what it's like to be a male photographer in that world you're dealing with a lot of nudity you're dealing with a lot of sexuality and it can often be not necessarily saying that it's a fine line for you but it generally is just a fine line and this is a key example of that 
you know, yeah. a lot of inappropriate outside sort of things. So talk to me about your perspective of that, what it's like working in that environment, what it's like working with these kind of sexual women or men in these situations. Well, um, I don't really do nudity. There's been a couple of situations where it looks like they might be nude. Maybe there's one, but maybe she, I think she was covered in blood. So, um, I try to res respect the model and not, not, I give them space to not, to not like be around them, you know, and just like when we're ready to shoot, that's when I come in, I'll do some lighting adjustments and shoot that way. Uh, but for the most part, I'm, I'm more, um, trying to concentrate on my composition and lighting and I'm not looking at anything else. So if, if it's in a studio, that's fine because it's in a controlled environment. I don't have people, strangers coming in a studio when we're outside and the model might be wearing hardly anything. That's when I starting to get distracted by people coming around like hikers or whatever, children, even <laughs> like kids coming by. I'm like, I got right cover up real quick, you know, like just, don't then they notice that too and we're, we try to be very um conscious of that that there's people around and you might want to like hide it when we're when people are coming around you know just throw there's always a jacket nearby or something and we try to also like shoot somewhere where it's not a lot of traffic not a lot of people are coming coming around the one we just did with danny divine that one we couldn't really help because it was at the merry-go-round it was closed, but there wasn't, nobody was really bothering us, but there is people around there just walking around, but we were in our own little section there. And for the most part, I don't know what she's going to do when we're, when we shoot. It's usually like, I'll get there and she she showed me the jacket. That was all I had in my head. I'm like, okay, the jacket, that's, that's the only thing I had going for me as far as like what the look's going to be. I didn't know anything what she was going to do. So when we got there, like, okay, this is what we're doing. I get it now. So um, I'm stick to my two two light setup still, and we'll get some great shots because she's an amazing model, and she can't, can't go wrong with her. So, And we did get some good shots. So, But we are conscious of people around us, so we try to just um, be a little careful with, with that as well. And picking a location has to be has to go into it as well because we want to make sure the location somewhere where we can shoot at where people won't bother us um cemeteries for in other words cemeteries you can't really shoot there yeah i haven't found one yet that i can shoot at except for sunnyside cemetery in in long beach and that's the only one i've haven't been kicked out of so uh, but not everybody wants to drive to Long Beach. Usually they want to go to L.A. L.A. is like, there's no good cemeteries. There's great cemeteries, but there's no good cemetery where you can shoot at and try to do your thing, try to get some lighting in there, and you're not going to get asked. You're going to get asked to leave. Asked yeah. to leave. And <laughs> Apparently it's very offensive. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know everybody wants to shoot a cemetery. It's like, I want to do a cemetery. Everybody wants to do it. It's like, yeah. If you can find one where we, we can do a permit or the permits also cost a lot of money. So if we can try to get away with doing something of a creepy location that doesn't have to be a cemetery, I would rather just do that because I already know the cemetery will, will get kicked out eventually. Yeah. We can do a few shots, but that's about it. 
So it sounds sort of like the gorilla style is not your not your preferred method of shooting. Um, I've done it many times, but I prefer to have a plan. Yeah, I prefer to have a plan of a location. Um, so one of the locations I always shoot at is in San Dimas, and it's it's a hiking trail, but there's so many spots there that you can pick, and nobody bothers nobody's ever bothered me there. I've had people stop and look, but for the most part, everybody's respectful, and they just they're just there to hike, and they see a creepy photograph photography going on, and they don't they don't really say anything. You know, they'll be like, oh, they'll get a little bit scared, but I, I think some little girl was almost crying because she saw. <laughs> Somebody in, she was like a spider, like lady, like the makeup was like, she looked like all like spidered out. Like, oh, I think like, I know the one you're talking about, kind of a blue and black face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a little girl that was over there. <laughs> little girl, she was like hugging her mom. She's like, oh my God, no. <laughs> we're like, oh no, we're scaring kids. Mm-hmm. So, but that location's good because not only because it's close to me, but it's also just, uh, has more options it's free and nobody bothers me there so i try to recommend that location um for anything that as as a last minute location or if we can't find a location we'll just shoot there you know that's that's where that's where i end up shooting most most of my shots that's awesome yeah so talk about um i saw or i i heard you talk about what kind of got you into the the dark aesthetic and how you met Nikki Six? Yeah, I was I went to his book signing and um I, if I would have known it was going to be 5 hours, I probably wouldn't have gone to the book signing <laughs> because 5 hours is a long time. So I went after work and I think I left early. I think I left at 3 or 4 got there 5.30-ish or whatever in L.A. Um, at the Grove. <clears throat> and you're you're supposed to buy the book there. So I go, that's fine. I'll buy the book. I'll overpay the price for there because you got to get it signed. And it was a free signing, so you don't have to pay for it. You just got to buy the book there, which was fine with me. So Nikki was supposed to start shooting, uh, I mean shooting, start to be doing the autograph signing at 6.30, I think, somewhere around that time. So I got there an hour early, and there was not that, that many people at at first, but they gave you a wristband. So I got the wristband. Next thing I know, there's like a lot more people there and and the line was moving slow. So I was looking through the book. I uh, couldn't help look, you know, what else am I going to do in line? So I looked through the whole book and I was like, wow, I really love these images. They're like dark and twisted and had like a dark tone to it. It was just something I wasn't expecting from him. I don't know what I was really expecting from his photography book, but... I started to really like love it and and by the time I got his autograph he was like just burned out and tired. He's like, Hey man, what's up? Whatever. So I just told him like, Oh, you're you know, you were like an inspiration to me growing up because when I was a kid, you know, I looked up to Motley Crue, I looked up to Nikki Six and he's always inspired me. So now he's just inspired me to be a, a photographer that he didn't even know about because I didn't know at the time. But after looking through the book, I go, you know what, I think I wanna do something in this area and explore this and see if I can do it. So that's what started it for me. I love that. Yeah. It's great when you can sort of pinpoint a time specifically. Yes. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was very, uh, eye opening for me. Like I kind of, I think I texted to a couple of people that I think I want to do photography. 
But I, I hesitated calling myself a photographer for like a couple years because I didn't feel like I was a photographer, even though I had a camera. I was taking photos, and people would say, are you a photographer? I'd be like, mm, not really. I just take pictures. I felt very uncomfortable calling myself that in the first two years. Because I feel like I didn't really do much. Like I was trying to take pictures, and I thought they looked good, but they they didn't look like what I was looking at on Instagram or on Nikki's book. They weren't anything close to that. I'm like, this doesn't look like what I was trying to do, you know? So I was always uncomfortable. It took me a while to, to get comfortable with calling myself a photographer. Well, so now, it, now that you have, you're also really, really, really great on your all of your, your websites. And you've got a YouTube channel where you're giving people tips on how to do certain yeah. scenes. I mean, that's awesome. That's impressive. Yeah, I try to try to give back to like people that have taught me on YouTube because all my education was through that. So everything I learned was pretty much YouTube. And I feel like if I can give somebody a tip, whether it's just something really dumb like I remember I was looking for something on YouTube. I could not find it. It was just some, something technical about the softbox that I had. I couldn't figure out how to turn it a certain way. And it was one of those uh, strip boxes that's long and skinny. And it just wasn't sitting right. And I never owned one before. So I Googled it. I go, how are you supposed to move this thing? Like to like the way it's supposed to move. Could not figure it out. Didn't find any YouTube clips anywhere so finally i just figured it out. i finally found an answer somewhere i go oh there's like a little knob that and underneath it where it was hidden and i go well maybe somebody can use that tip that can make a youtube video about that that maybe people like me don't know about that little knob that's underneath this type of uh, modifier i go so i made a youtube clip uh, video of that and it got so many views i think it's almost at nine thousand. i think the last i checked just from that one wow that's great and i didn't think anything of it i just like i'm just gonna make this tip and i think somebody even insulted me on there uh they said like like can you call yourself a photographer and you didn't know that or something <gasps> like that it's like Trolls. <laughs> yeah so i'm like that's funny because like this is my first troll i go but other people have thanked me because like, oh my God, I could not find anything on it. And thank you for putting that video together. So if I can figure out something just that I'm trying to figure out myself and, and I, I can help somebody, I'll make a video about it, you know, or even just lighting. How do, how do I, people always ask me, how do you, how do you light your stuff? And, and so I'll go through the process of, you know, a behind the scenes of what lights I'm using, where I'm placing them and why I'm doing it and. And, I'll, you know, I try to help uh, because people weren't helping me in the very beginning. Nobody gave me any tips. I talked to a few photographers and they were all really much stuck up and um, just very little advice, very, very discouraging. And so that made me want to even learn even more because now they don't want to show me. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to just learn it myself. And that's, that's kind of inspired me to just do more for myself and give back at least give back uh people like some if anybody asks me a question i have people ask me questions all the time and i'll answer a question for them like what's the best light or what lens should i get next for my second lens and i answer people all the time it's like that's that's fine because nobody helped me like when i was asking what lens should i get they're like well 
just so you know, lenses are expensive. I go, I know, but I'm just trying to like get a ballpark figure. Like, well, don't buy anything cheap. I go, I, I know, I know that. Like, I don't know what cheap is. I don't know what expensive is. Just give me a ballpark figure. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody would tell me anything. So I'm like, I guess I'll just learn on YouTube <laughs> what works and what doesn't. Yeah, a lot of people like to hold that information close to the chest, which is strange. I had somebody else tell me not to reveal where I shoot as well. I yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, don't tell don't tell people that you're shooting at the cemetery because then everyone's gonna go there. I go, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's some truth to it in you know, if you have a really disclosed location and mm -hmm. you reveal it and there's fear of it becoming wrecked by public access. Yeah. That's one thing. But if it's like, yeah, a main cemetery, which people can tell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah. Yeah. and I got kicked out of the cemetery anyway, so <laughs> it had nothing to do with people going there. It just had something to do with the new ownership didn't want any, any of that stuff going on, so he, the new owner kicked us out, so... Mm. Before that, I used to shoot at that cemetery all the time, and so that same same photographer uh, had told me not to do. Even though I only had, I had like a thousand followers at the time, it's like I go, who's really gonna know? Like nobody. I don't have like millions of people following me. It's like I'm just saying, like this is where I shot at. It's like it's not reaching a big audience, so I don't know what he was tripping out on. <laughs> yeah, maybe some kind of enviousness there. I don't know. Yeah, he bl he blocked me too. I don't know why. I admire his work. I, I, he was one of my favorite photographers locally, and um, oh, I mean, I I I think that's cool. I was like, oh wow, I threaten him enough that he has to block me. That's kind of cool. <laughs> like I don't. So I I look at his Instagram on my other account. Like I go, that's how I found out I was blocked. I go, oh well. I mean, he's still doing great work, and I like his I like his style, and that's. Uh, I kind of like was envious of his style and, and you know, it was an, he was an inspiration as well. So, mm. so it's good to have people that you, 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 can, you aspire to and can try to level up your work to where they're at. Absolutely. But it's just a shame that we you know we couldn't be friends and just like help each other out. So, you know, he's one of those people that doesn't want to like do that he wants to just keep all the information to himself so i'm I'm the opposite of that i'd rather just give you information and give people advice you know i don't want to be like that person because i know what it feels like well yeah especially in this day and age there's enough room for everybody it's not a competition yeah and you know you should you shouldn't be threatened by by anybody because you should be confident in your own work and mm -hmm. And do you, and I I always compliment photographers that I see on Instagram. Like, I'll send them a message. It's like you're doing fantastic work. I look forward to your stuff all the time, and I appreciate what you're doing. It's something different, something cool. And I try to figure out what they're doing. I'm like, I can't even put my head around it. I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing something amazing. And it's like oh, I let them know. Uh, just like some people let me know the same thing. So I I I always let people know that I like their work and. I'll send them a message or I'll comment it because it, it, all that stuff helps, you know, it helps, it helps you 
that person maybe continue doing what they're doing. And I want to see people continuing doing uh, photography and doing their passion, you know, just like I did. You know, I don't want to discourage anybody. Of course, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because people tried discouraging me, but it didn't work. It's like you just did the opposite. Yeah. You, you didn't discourage me. You made me want to do it more, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah. I agree. One of the things uh, that you also said that really resonated with me, that I, I have this kind of thought process almost every shoot that I do, but you don't, you're not sure if it's going to work out at all. But you're going into it, and you're like, all right, we're going we're gonna to see what we can do here. And then yeah. it ends up being this amazing content. Yeah, sometimes um, going into situations like you're not sure what's gonna what's gonna happen, and and sometimes it's good because it it'll it'll kind of how could I say it? It'll something triggers in your brain where you just have to make it work. I can't describe it, but. It's a bit of a per perfectionist sort of thing, which isn't bad. Yeah. Right? Like I you think, want to yeah. follow it through. If you've committed to doing something, you're like, all right, I'm going to find a way for this to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the way I think usually just the, everything that, that we're doing, like we just got to make sure that we follow through. And even if there's a last minute change to it, to whatever it is that we're going to roll with it. And maybe it's not going to be what we had in mind, but maybe it'll be better or maybe it'll be just as good. But you have to go in there with confidence and, and, um, being, being positive helps too. Yes. So you can't go in there with a negative attitude like, Oh, this is not going to work. Oh, this, this isn't what I wanted. You know, there's people that are like that. They're like, Oh, that's, that's not going to, that's not what I needed. That's not what I wanted. People get upset. It's like, look, don't take yourself too seriously. Like this is just all fun stuff that we're doing. It's horror stuff, you know. It's like it's not serious, you know. It's like you don't have to get that seriously into it, but just do the best work you can. Yes, absolutely. So, have you been? You said that you've always kind of been into the dark aesthetic. How far back yes. does that go that you can remember? I think since I was like seven or eight, maybe. Wow. So I'm 52 now, but that started like in the seventies when I think when I saw like Kiss playing on TV, mm -hmm. um, I got really fascinated by their makeup and, and the darkness of that. I, th I guess, you know, for a kid seeing Kiss in the seventies, it's not like, Maybe now, maybe when you see Kiss now, because they're older men and they're a little bit more acceptable. But back then, you know, nobody knew who these guys were. You know, they were, there was no internet. So you just saw them when you saw them and they always had makeup on. So you, it looked like they were creatures from, not from this planet. So, you know, it's so funny I that you say that. I have a seven-year-old son who is obsessed with Kiss. Yeah, my nephew was, was too when he was a kid. It's, Same it's, thing. It's something, yeah, the, it's the, the, everything about the music and the guitars and the crazy motions. Like, my son really likes Gene Simmons. He's got the devil demon tongue. And oh, nice. It's, yeah, it's very dark, but also kind of poppy at the same time, right? It's this, 
weird, fun, but dark kind of. Video. Yeah, I think that's that's what introduced me to like music and and uh there was like a darker bands that i because i grew up in disc in the disco era so uh which i i don't mind that music i actually i grew up on it so it's i i, I love it actually so um but then once uh, once 1980 came like i started discovering like metal more heavy metal bands like acdc van halen motley Crue later on and that's when I was like, wow, I really love this stuff, you know. I, I, I don't know what it was. I just, like, I always just resonated towards towards that. Right. So, towards that. Dark... Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Did I watch a lot of horror stuff? At that time, too, yeah. Not till, like, the mid-'80s. I think when I was a teenager, 13, 14, is when mm. I think I watched. I, my friend had, um, he was one of the first people that got a VHS um, out of people that don't know what that is, it was before DVD players. Isn't it's, that hilarious? <laughs> people don't know. Some people might not know it. At my work, nobody knows what I'm talking about half the time. They're like, That's I go, you don't remember this? You don't know who King Diamond is? They're like, who's that? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my. Don't worry. I think my, my audience <laughs> is, if not your age, I'm 40, so in between our ages. So they'll know okay. what VHS is. They'll know what Well, if you don't. <laughs> It was where you could watch movies and they were on cassettes. Like, so he got uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. He rented it. I didn't. It was like I didn't know you could rent it. I was like, where did where did what did you do? <laughs> He's like, there's a video store. I go, well, what store? He's like, a video store. I go, you just rent this. I go, what? So he goes, so we could watch. This is in the theater. So I, th I thought this was in the theater. I was like, no. He's like, I go, watch. Well, so we watched Nightmare on Elm Street like the whole weekend because he just had it. We just kept playing it over and over. I go, this is awesome. Like, you can actually watch a movie over and over. Like, that was unthinkable back then. <laughs> like, because everything was at the movie theater. If you wanted to go see the movie a second time, you got to go to the movie theater and watch it. Now, you know, you could stream it, you can just keep watching it, but back then we had like, you know, the first thing that you could play over and over and that was there was that one in Terminator that we kept watching over and over. The first one, so we're like, you know. And you have to roll we were happy it, of course in between watches. Yeah. Re rewinded it and <laughs> watched it over again and like let's watch it again later and like we'll have another showing. So, we were we were having fun just watching movies. That's that's awesome. That's a it's a time that nobody now is going to know. Our kids are gonna have no, no idea what this means. And no, no, not at all. They're with a little smile on their face, like cool. That's was something you're talking about from a long time ago, but it was yeah. special though. It really was. Yeah, even going to the video store. So that's why, like, yeah. going to the video store that wasn't like Blockbuster before Blockbuster and all that. It was just regular mom and pop mm -hmm. video stores and that's where you go to the horror section i was like whoa look at all these movies like you just go based on the cover like i did with albums totally. if the album looked like a a cool album cover i don't know what the music was going to be like but it go if that cover looks that cool the band must sound good and that's what i base my movies off of too i go this cover looks like it might be good or this one might be cheesy you know we would rate it i go this will probably be really bad cheesy so we'll rent it some of it looked like really scary you know so we would base it off all on that stuff and that's 
that's when I started watching more horror stuff when I was like, you know, 13, 14. We were just all the way to 16, just renting movies all the time and <laughs> rent at least one horror movie somewhere in there. Well, that is a good segue into your top three horror movies. Yes. So let's talk about those. Um, not going to lie. It was it was a little more difficult. I had to, to dive deep. So what I do is mm-hmm. we'll talk about why you like each, each one. But I like to try to find some fun facts or a little bit lesser known facts about the filming. And with two of them, there, there's mm-hmm. a lot of facts that are really well known. <laughs> yeah. So you really challenged me today. And uh, it, oh, kinda, it got me all excited. It made me want to rewatch all three of these again. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm going to next. Actually, week. I have one of them right in front of me. I'm holding the <gasps> DVD as I'm talking to you. Oh, and I'll tell you why right now. Okay, which one? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors. It is. Because I could not find it streaming anywhere. Yeah. They have the first two. The, the second one is garbage. The first one's great, obviously. And then Dream Warriors, I think, is just my favorite, even better than the first one. And sorry to anybody uh, you know that doesn't agree with me on that, but Dream Warriors is just really well done. And So I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, I looked on Amazon. I tried signing on to my Amazon. I used the PIN number. Like, all right, I'll rent it for three bucks or whatever. I'll just want to watch it. And then it wasn't taking my PIN number. So I go, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to buy it. <laughs> my, my, I tried streaming it, so I'm just going to buy the DVD. So That's commitment. I like that. Yeah. So I have it right here. It got here last week, and I still have it right here by my table. I'm like, haven't cracked it open yet, but I still plan on watching it. It's a very, um, very distinctive cover. I, I remember I used to work at a, a Rogers video, which I don't know. You're from LA, so you may not know what Rogers was. It was a Canadian-based version of Blockbuster. Okay. And, uh, I remember when I used to rent this one out on VHS, and the cover of it for this particular one is just so fun. It it catches you in. Well, yeah, in the from Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I think what I'm looking at, and they had a few different covers, but this one's got Freddy. And then the three main characters in the middle, and then, and then um, Patricia Arquette at the bottom going into the house. But I've seen different cover versions as well of, of that posters, and so. So I don't know if that's the same one you're talking about. Uh, does the girl Taryn have her mohawk? She's not on this cover, She's so that's a different okay, one. So different yeah. Cover, yeah. But I remember. Anything to do with Freddy in the 80s or 90s Yeah, was, as a horror fan, you were just drawn to it. It was, it was visually and so enticing because he's so gnarly looking. Yeah, like the, the, just the character was, um, was great. Even the concept that he goes in your dreams was a different concept because you, how do you catch him if he's in your dream? So that made it like like even more horrifying, I think, because we all dream and we all have nightmares. And I actually had a couple of dreams of Freddy Krueger in my dreams Ooh. That, that he was chasing be, me. That would be scary. 
I mean, this. Yeah, I wasn't really scared. I don't know. I, oh, you were kind of into it. <laughs> I was kind of sick. I was like, "This is Freddy Krueger." Yes. <laughs> You're like, I don't remember what the scenario I'm was. Standing but. right now in my own dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I go, wait a minute, is this a dream? And as soon as I said that, I woke up. But like, oh, see, I blew it. I should have yeah. just kept going with it. <laughs> but yeah, I think I've had a couple of dreams with with Freddy Krueger. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm in the I'm in a Freddy Krueger dream. You know, the, the creepy, the terrifying thing about this is, and this is not one of my fun facts, but I looked into this a while ago. Clive Barker based, the, what, no, not Clive Barker. Um, oh my God, what's the director of the original? Wes Craven? Wes Craven, yeah. It's based on real life events that were happening within a very specific Asian community and men were dying in, in their sleep. sleep. Yeah. I and, think I heard that. And all of them... All, every single one of them was complaining about these horrific nightmares of somebody coming after them. And wow. So the, the idea of this is legitimate. It's actually kind of really scary. Yeah, that's crazy. I think I heard a little bit about that, but not to that detail that people were dying from somebody that was chasing them in their dream. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and, and it's all of them, as far as I, I looked into a while ago when I did the original um, deep dive on the first one, was that none of the men knew each other so they were not connected it oh wow a, it, yeah it's really eerie actually that's crazy that's like a real life thing then like it's i know i know it was real i wonder what they i wonder what they described the person as um I, you know i don't know i didn't yeah because i know into the, into the survey of it but it was enough that it was alarming and that makes her a great movie, a great for horror sure. movie. For sure. Well, yeah. I mean, any of the directors from that era that are made legitimately cult-following horror movies, you know, Wes Craven, yeah. Clive Barker, John Carpenter, they're all, all of those ideas originated from something real that stemmed, and it's horrifying. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this one is completely out of your control. You, How, does, how do you not sleep? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't fall asleep. So aside from the nostalgic factor for you, why is this one in your top three? Um, I think just the uh, the characters were really good. All the all the kids in this movie were really good, and um, Patricia Arquette was great in this. Also, just the movie soundtrack uh, with mm. Dokken doing that Dream Warriors. Uh, and then Freddie being a little bit more serious in this one than he was in the second one. Because the second one, I, I just can't watch that one. That one's just horrible. But I'm glad they kind of got back into sort of like the original one, like the first one, where Nancy comes back. So having her back and having her having her be more of a, an experienced person that went through it kind of made that storyline of everybody's uh, everybody's uh, stories that they were going through made it a lot better. And and then just Freddie just going after all the kids. Just the whole story arc was really well well done. I, I saw it. For me, this should really be the second movie. It should be the first one and this one and just skip that second one. Because <laughs> that didn't really have anything to, I don't know. The second one, I think they really tried to lean into the comedy a bit too much and it became a bit It was, comedy. yeah, just mm -hmm. like, why did they, they did that later on too again. Mm-hmm. Did. So I don't think I watched any other Freddy Krueger except for Freddy versus Jason, <laughs> which I said entertaining. I actually watched that one at the theater. Did you? I saw that 
the yeah. theater. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it at the theater. Oh, oh yeah, that's bringing me back. And yeah, so that's that's why I like this movie. It's just the story is really great in it. Well, and and yeah, as a metal fan, definitely some some music connection for sure. That didn't happen yeah, with the horror movies. And I heard that uh, when uh, Don Dawkins was writing the movie, they had told him, the producers told him, that you have to, you have to write a song, and but the chorus has to be Dream Warriors. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking. What do you mean? Like, I have to say those words. He goes, You have to say Dream Warriors in the in the in the lyrics, in the chorus specifically. <laughs> it goes, I don't write that way. I I write my own music. I don't have people tell me how to write music. So this is very new to me. And uh, so he goes, okay. So he went in his room and he wrote a song. Uh, I think the other guys, Jeff and George and Mick, all went to their rooms and they wrote a song. And they both came back with two different versions of Dream Warrior. So Don's was a little bit more like upbeat. It was very happy. It's like we're Dream Warriors or whatever it was. It's like he was incorporating that. But then the Jeff Pilson version of the bass player, it was the one that they ended up picking for the so soundtrack because he there's a demo with him singing in it and it's exactly like the like the the one they stuck with but i kind of want to hear don's other version of dream warriors the happy version oh yeah just just yeah, to hear what that sounded like for sure. yeah but i didn't realize that they he was told that he had to have that the title and it worked because at the end i remember when i saw it at the movie theater and when that song hit i was like oh man that got always stuck in my head like mm -hmm. The way that the whole thing starts, I go that the way it ended. I'm like, that's awesome. That's that's a badass movie. It fits for sure. Yeah, for sure. yeah. So some fun facts I found out about this movie, which it was fun looking into this. And again, it's making me re want to rewatch some of. Yeah, same here. <laughs> um, so most of the effects were practical effects instead of CGI, which is kind of big at that time because that's when CGI oh, yeah. was starting. And yeah. so most of the film's budget was given to the special effects department of this movie, which is great because yeah. I can tell you about a handful of other movies in that time era where the, this special effects department were not given the budget. <laughs> and it looks like it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's good to know because like, I, I like, I like practical effects that don't rely on CGI. I'm with you a hundred percent on that. Yeah. CGI mostly sucks. Yeah, it looks. Movies. Yeah, like what was the zombie one with Brad Pitt? Um, oh, World War Z. Yeah, that one just like too much. <laughs> it's too much. It's like you could you could have used a person, you know? You don't have to use like the CGI of that. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's scarier. It's scarier with the makeup. Well, and I guess they also think that a lot of them aren't going to hold up over time, but they do, especially in the horror community, because we all have a yeah. love of the the intensity that goes into the practical effects. Yeah, like even like the new Halloween, they've used some CGI of, uh, for some of them, but it's not obvious. Mm -hmm. And same with like the like the newer directors, like um, like John Favreau when he did. Um, Mandalorian, he tried using as much sets as he could. Yeah, I saw that. So the only thing they're using CGI or, or whatever that blue screen, it's not even a blue screen or a green screen, it's 
it's a set that just has the whole screen all around it. That's the outside interior. It looks like you're outside, but they're actually in the studio. Yeah. Um, and all that's a screen. And I go, whoa, that's new technology I've never seen, but it works because he's still using practical sets. Right. It's not all, you know, there there are sets that he built that they built for that um, for the show. So uh, the new Halloween, uh, same thing. You know, they built that house, that set. It's on a stage. It's all sets, you know. It's like, so I appreciate that. And they're not like, just like, hey, let's just do it on a green screen and let's just add it later. You know, it's just, just <coughs> it is, yeah. I, I feel like it's too much work in post processing, too. For sure. <laughs> just for someone that does it, I'm like, I wouldn't want to do that. Like, can't we just do all the set, though? Just don't have to do any post processing or very little of it. Get as much of the work done right yeah. now as you can. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, speaking of that, when for Dream Warriors, <coughs> when they were creating the dummy for the little girl. The special effects makeup person who was Mark Short, no, Shostrom, if I'm saying it right, mm -hmm. he was told to think of Auschwitz victims, so he did, and he spent 10 weeks creating a puppet, but the crew passed on it because it was too grotesque. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Just, yeah. Can you imagine That's... walking up to someone and saying, oh, just think of an Auschwitz victim. Just do that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sure. Okay, that's good inspiration. Let's do it. <laughs> that's good inspiration. <laughs> yeah, that's some good inspiration there. Oh dear. But that's that's what they did, I think, mm -hmm. right? Did they use it? No, they used they it, did right? Not, they didn't oh. using that one. They used a different one. Oh, okay. I wonder what the other one looks like. I know. See, now I'm curious. Now I'm curious. Know. Google it. Google it. <laughs> I gotta go. Maybe maybe I'll see if I can find a picture of it, and that will be the picture for this post. Yeah, that would be cool. Excellent. Yes. Um, I did find out as well that Taryn, so she is the recovering drug addict in the film, and when she's fighting with Freddy, and he's got the fingers as um, the needles, and he's oh, coming yeah. at her that way. Oh, my God. She actually stabbed Robert England with one of the knives. <laughs> during filming. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. And nobody knows for certain if it was a real knife or a prop knife, which makes me feel inclined to think it was a real knife well some of those prop knives can be can hurt too mm -hmm. because they're not sharp and and some of them they have like they'll they'll dull it out you know so nobody gets hurt worse. on set <laughs> yeah so so i think it's it was still hurt you know but you're not going to get stabbed but yeah i don't know that's we got to talk to somebody in the in the the prop department and find out about that. <laughs> uh, that's on my bucket list of prop yeah. masters. Yeah, we got to find out who did the props. <laughs> um, and the last fun fact I found out about this one grossed me out because I'm a vegetarian. Mm. No, no judgments to people who eat me at all. Um, so the pig on the table. I'm sure everyone remembers the pig who's. You know, growling and snarling at her, and you know, when, do you remember that scene where she goes, "It's in her dream," yeah, and um, it snarls at her. Yes. Anyways, it was a real pig, and it was a spoiled pig, and it apparently made the mm. set smell horrible. 
and the effects department had to pick straws to see who would be under the table to operate the mechanics of it. Oh, damn. That's crazy. It's the things we'll do for our art. <laughs> yeah. I'm beginning to find that out. <laughs> the things we will do. The oh. things that people I work with will do. I, I, I'm like, you got to be careful. <laughs> I'm always like, safety first. Yeah, but then you get with a model who's really into it or, or an actor or a creator. And yeah. you're like, I don't care. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah, like my uh, my friend Sam, we just did the like a possessed possession shoot. Oh, so good! Um, wow. I was really, uh, I was really intense. That's the most intense I've been uh, shooting anything. Um, where I was actually a little creeped out myself because she was so in character. Like, in I'm, I'm, you know, I'm running around being a nerd, trying to get my lights. I'm like, okay, Sam, look this way, and she's just like in a in a almost like in another world like she's not listening to me and but she'll turn around really slowly like just a dead look on her face i'm like okay let me see and just turn back this way you're like when's Pazuzu gonna and then her? she's like into the character and then when she starts hitting her head on the floor and um throwing herself and it's like wow this is intense and the screaming and i had to warn the guy at the studio i go she's gonna scream so don't don't get alarmed. We're doing doing a photo shoot, and she's supposed to scream. So, wow. so yeah. So I know what it's like. So now it's like I'm beginning to find out like oh, when actors are really into their role, um, you know, not only can they get hurt, but they, they they can get so intense to where like you're almost forget you're supposed to be doing your job because <laughs> you're there to film or whatever your, your job is, and you're just like watching. I'm like, wow, this is happening right in front of my eyes. It's crazy. It's funny that so you say that. I've had a, a handful of shoots with Malevolent Productions. She's my main photographer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to say about 80% of the shoots where I've got fake blood has my real blood involved. Ooh. Almost, almost all of them. Wow. Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, it, it, <laughs> every, every shoot is different. But it's, yeah. this is the thing, like you're saying, when you get into that mind frame... And mm -hmm. your adrenaline is pumping and you're excited and you're just completely in that zone. If you're, I mean, I've been walking around, we, we carry weapons. I'm using quotation marks right now, but they're real weapons. And I've, yeah. I've totally knocked myself into the leg before. And I'm like, oh, look at that. This real blood. Awesome. That looks Oh, good. wow. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> keep it. Keep exactly. rolling. Yeah. Or yeah. you step into... Uh, you know, you're not paying attention where you're walking in one of the abandoned areas or like a hiking area, kind of similar yeah. to what you were saying. And you don't pay attention and you've nicked yourself on a branch or something. And oh, yeah, that's happened to me many times. Exactly. And yeah. But you don't even really notice it until afterwards. Yeah, that's so true. In zone. That's true. Yeah. But Very that's, true. That's one of the, the creative, I find, perks because then it's almost like these little Easter eggs, like find the real blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like, that wasn't fake blood. That was real blood. That was real blood. <laughs> we got a paper cut on set. A paper cut. Paper cut. Yeah. <laughs> well, so speaking of The Exorcist, let's talk about this film this is your second favorite horror movie yeah it's probably my favorite one 
because I still can't. I still can't really watch it. Um, hmm. I don't really like to watch it during at night. Oh, um, it affects you that much. Right? Yeah, that one does affect me because I watched it when I was a kid. So, um, it's just it's just so uh, such a. It almost doesn't seem like a movie. It seems like a, almost like a documentary because it's just like so real and. Totally. I mean, besides the obvious effects, but there were. I mean, now you look at it, it's like, oh yeah, those are cheesy effects. But I still think they're they look effective. I don't think uh, they're cheesy. I think I yeah. I agree with you. I think they were incredibly effective. Yeah, I think because you know people grow up with, you know, they're spoiled now and they don't. If you if you grew up watching that movie, I think you have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Whereas now they you know they made so many great movies and they've even made fun of that movie on on scary movie to where kids watch scary movie you know the wayans brothers and they made fun of the uh, the exorcist on that one and so when they watch the exorcist they're like laughing at it it's like oh yeah it's just like the wayans brothers movie but it's like if you watch it like through different at different time and and when you know when it was it, it looked it was just an insane movie you know it's just like the mm-hmm. being a exorcisms and dealing with demons to me is very scary because it's like it's not a ghost it's not an alien it's something otherworldly it's something that's that could happen probably you know and and it's there's no control over that you know you've you've lost she's took over the demon took over her body completely and it was scary. It was scary to watch that transformation. And Linda Blair uh, did such a great job with being such a young actress. Um, that role for her was just intense. It was intense for a little girl, and she did amazing and great work. The director, everybody. Oh, so good. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny that you say that. And I'm, I'm kind of going to put the challenge out there for anybody listening. But I think I kind of want to create. I don't know, a little survey of my own, but I'm curious if people who have never seen that movie before go into it not knowing anything about it and watch it, if they would have the same reaction knowing the people that go into it knowing, you know, there there was a whole bunch of issues with that set. There were people dying. The set yeah. lit up in fire except for Regan's bedroom. Um, so I'm curious to know if the outcome would be the same to the kids of today, if they were to watch that film and not know those things, if they would still feel that horror, then if you watched it going into it, knowing that everybody that was on set there basically felt that a door had been opened, you know? Yeah. That's, I heard a lot of crazy things happen. A lot of them could be coincidences too, because I think on sets in general uh things always happen and sometimes they're unexplainable sometimes they are and uh the stuff i read about exorcist like that people were dying um i don't know if it was after the movie i think it was after the movie that a couple of the set people passed away but i think it was because they already had a condition so i think they might have elaborated a little bit too much about that but yeah, or made, yeah, they may have, yeah. Maybe, maybe made a bigger deal than it really was just to kind of connect it to the evil of the movie or whatever. But 
definitely, you know, there was some darkness to that movie for sure, and you could see it watching it. I agree. You can you can that see there's that. there's something there. Yeah, there's something mm-hmm. in that movie that that well, I try to watch it. I try to watch it every year, but it's like it's hard. It's hard to watch it sometimes. Yeah. It's not a fun movie. It's like, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's I, not I'm not having fun. fun you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm having fun as as far as like this is a great movie, but it's it's a downer, you know. It's a, it's a big time. Yeah, you're not going at the end of it like that was a great conclusion. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that was, what a really wrap that up. What a happy <laughs> ending. <laughs> I feel so good now. Like let's go get some ice cream now. You know, yeah, my serotonin's really high now. Um, but if you really want to get scared, you could watch that movie. Dad. I agree. Yeah. I agree with you. The the one f- trivia fact I did find out about that, which which I'm not going to actually get into in detail tonight about it because I've mentioned it in a previous podcast, but was that there was an actual serial killer on set. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever heard about him. Really? No. Yeah. yeah. He, um, I don't remember if he played the anesthesiologist but he played somebody that was involved when linda blair went in to go see somebody about um getting a cat scan or something and and the actor quote-unquote actor who played him um was a a weirdo who was bragging about killing people etc and it turns out he actually had been (laughs) so I think I know who you're talking about, so I'm gonna Google that as yeah, well. Yeah, look into I it. I got it's, a lot of homework to do tonight, it's, but it's a, yeah, it's a bit. I know who you're talking about too, because I, I remember that scene. I remember that scene. Well, so Crazy. a couple other fun facts about it. <laughs> fun, fun, fun facts. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> These are fun facts. Um, this one again is vegetarian. Did not make me feel very good, but it's unfortunately real. A mm-hmm. lot of Regan's moaning and grunting were created by remixing pig squeals. But oh. when the demon is finally exercised from her body, the sound you hear is a group of pigs being led to slaughter. That's what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's yummy. <laughs> that's the director's call. That guy was crazy. I many of the directors in that time era just yeah that guy who i heard was just i saw the insane. documentary on the exorcist like that, that guy was insane <laughs> but was it gonna be him it was gonna be stanley <laughs> kubrick who was equally as insane uh, right yes that's true <laughs> it's all a, a crapshoot at that point yeah that's crazy i didn't know about that and then the only other uh, kind of fun fact I found out about this one that w- weren't the obvious ones that everyone knows about was mm-hmm. um, so the voice of Regan as she's becoming possessed was done by a woman named Mercedes McCambridge who gave up her sobriety to get her voice into a really hard sounding zone. She mm. smoking and drinking. She was an alcoholic who stopped drinking. Anyways, she started drinking again for that um, scene. Oh, jeez. And but prior to her coming on board, Linda Blair got to say some of the obscenities herself. And apparently, the first time she did this, Max von Sydow was so taken aback that he forgot his lines. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because it's done really well the the way they did the voice. Oh. But it looks crazy. like she's talking. She's, that yeah. was a woman. That was a woman doing those voices. It it had to be because like. Linda Blair had like a, you know, she was like a little girl. So how could she, how could she talk like this? You know, she can, 
yeah, man, you know, he's like that, that voice is just like coming. Like, it did sound like what you just described. Somebody that smoked a lot of cigarettes and mm-hmm. probably drinking and like, Whiskey. hello, darling, hello, how about you? Like, you can oh, almost yeah. hear the hole in her throat. You can, yes. Okay, that's a good fact. I didn't know. I didn't really know about that one. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of weird facts about that movie. You know the actress that played. She's in there for one second when she plays the demon, the Pazuzu. But yes, yeah. they flash to like that black and white. You know, cool looks like or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she make she's always making appearances at all these conventions. So I was at a Monster Palooza, I think. She was there. She's a, she's everywhere. Like she's I can't shake her. She's everywhere. Every she's uh, she's everywhere. I go. She's there. Like it's you again. <laughs> so I was like taking a, I was taking I was taking pictures of the little Pazuzu statue that she had in front of her. And then she goes, "You can't take pictures of that." Oh dear lord. I go what? I go. I wasn't. T- Meanwhile, I, I, no, that's what it was. I wasn't taking a picture of that. I was taking a picture of something next to her. That's what it was. And I go, well, I'm not taking a picture of that. She's like, oh, okay, because that costs money and you have to like, like well, shut up. You were in that one second scene. You're giving me a hard time, really? Pazuzu. That, so the, like, the makeup, <laughs> the face of that was actually a rejected makeup um, trial that oh, okay. they had run on Linda Blair. Yeah. Wow. It, it looked good, though. It looked good. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's creepy. But I can't believe she was giving me a hard time about taking. No, nobody else gave me a hard time about taking photos of any. I was like, I'm taking. Even if I was taking a picture of that little statue, like, what is it to you? What's what's it to you? What am yeah. I doing wrong? Apparently, you're ripping her off. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm gonna sell it now. <laughs> With you behind it, it's all a part of my plan. When you saw her? No, she's. <laughs> I mean, she. You could tell it's her it, as yeah, well because, like, it's like she's got those eyes, you know, it's those huge eyes and the sunken um, cheekbones. I'm like, whoa, I go, that's cool. Yeah, I saw her uh, when I was vending also at Hot Egg. She was there. Um, th- you know, she does the she does the the routes, the all these. I think she's going to be at this Monster Blues as well. That's coming up. Oh, see, she's at all of them. So. Yeah, we have that Midsummer Scream coming up, so almost a month apart. So I'm going to both of those, and yeah, it should be fun. Hopefully, I get some more stories that other people are being rude to me. And <laughs> we'll I've had Linda Blair. <laughs> Linda Blair's yelled at me before. She was nice the first time I met her, and she was mean the second time I met her. Okay, what? Tell us the story. Well, the first time, like I couldn't, like she wouldn't stop talking to me. She was such a sweet person, like. Um, it was, she was here local at this Frankincense, uh, and I brought my ex- Exorcist DVD. She signed it. Um, she's a really sweet person, just nice, and just kept talking to me about stuff. I was like, just everyday stuff. I'm like, okay, and I was already out of the line. I'm like, like there's already two people like that are getting their autographs, and she kept talking to me like, all right, I gotta go, Linda Blair. Like I got things to do. Like i gotta go to lunch and yeah and then the second time was at monster palooza and she was um i was far away from her like maybe 20 feet from her and i was i had my camera and you know i was like okay i'm gonna try to take a picture of her she was talking to somebody in the autograph line you know she had a big line 
And I didn't think she was in it. She must have like demon instincts, but she just shot me a look and just got up and she goes, Stop right there. Don't take that picture. You put your camera away. How dare you? I'm like, What? Everybody turned around, looked at me. I'm like, Sorry. Like, I was, gee, what the hell? I didn't even take a picture. I was like, Okay, let's just, the guy comes up to me, like, You can't take pictures. I go, All right. I go, Okay, cool. Oh, that's so awkward. I go, Jesus. What the hell? <laughs> Like, I can't even take a picture. Like, really? Like, some people I understand. I'll ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Landau was nice enough to let me take a picture of him. Nobody was in his line. <laughs> I felt bad. I felt bad. He's such a great actor. And I go, can I take a picture of you, Martin Landau? He goes, of course you can. He's like, thank you for asking me. I go, of course. So maybe because I didn't ask Linda Blair, but uh, she's like that with, she's very protective of, of that as well because i remember like uh ricky rocket from poison um another time i saw linda blair i was like i'm not talking to her anymore um <laughs> she was like in front of me like and uh, i was like oh it's ricky rocket from poison that's crazy and then he goes oh look he's like it's linda blair like i just heard him talking and, and he goes linda and then she goes hi, hi, you know uh, ricky i can't talk to you right now i'm doing this you can't just cut in line i'm so sorry like she was even like not mean to him but just very direct he goes, oh no no no! I just wanted to say hi. He goes, he goes, I'll I'll come talk to you afterwards. So and and she was nice to him, obviously because he's a celebrity. But but you know she was very like business, like you know I can't talk to you right now. I'm doing this signing, and you know he moved on too. So you know it's I try to put myself in her shoes because she was very young when she filmed that, and she needed to have bodyguards afterwards. She was getting death threats, so yeah. it's like in one respect, I understand this little bubble she had to create of safety around herself. But that yeah. was fifty years ago. Yeah, no, she does good things now for uh, pet rescues and everything, and that's why she does the autographs. The only reason she's doing it is it's all going to the Linda Blair uh, Foundation. Which is great. Yeah, I, so I don't mind paying for the autographs, you know, exactly. once in a while. But I already got her autographs. So I don't need to go back. And <laughs> well, especially if she's going to be yelling at you. I mean, well, I wasn't in line for the autographs, so that's probably why you're like, like she thought I was doing a, a free shoot for some reason. Mm. And maybe she just doesn't like t- getting pictures um, while she's doing that work or doing the autographs. Whatever her reason was, I mean, it, it, it just like it just shocked me that she. <laughs> she yeah. embarrassed me in front of everybody. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. But at least I have that story that I could tell people. That's great. Yeah, especially yeah. The, the the duality between that and then the last time you spoke to her where she was lovely. <laughs> yeah. Kinda... The first time she was very nice and like <laughs> pleasing. Hmm. Very, very sweet. Well, so then you're third favorite horror movie halloween yes. and i was i was happy you said the original um I oh figured, yeah i figured to be the original. i mean i'm a, i'm a rob zombie fan so i don't have any hate for his version of it but i you know as, as, as unless you're 25 <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> yeah the original if you go back to if you could get your mind around like how it was back in the 70s like mm-hmm. there was not a movie like that ever mm-hmm. like about a boogeyman um stalking somebody in the mask you know and it was a creepy mask on top of it and 
I feel like uh, John Carpenter kind of created that like, genre of like, like a boogeyman type. Because then you had Jason, then you had Freddy Krueger, then you have other ones that came right after that. Mm-hmm. But nothing really like that. Like that was somebody was was Texas Chainsaw before that, or was it after? I can't remember. It was I should know before, that. but I mean, it's it's different. I mean, there were there was a handful of films before Halloween was released. Um, when it came to slashers, but his is was very unique. I find because Michael Myers didn't speak. You saw no emotion. There. Exactly. He yeah. was related to Laurie Strode, so it was it was a different feel. Yeah, I think I don't remember when I was watching it. One of the times I watched it, I was like, I got it more like, okay. I watched this probably when I was a teenager, but I didn't see it at the movie theater or nothing, but I watched it probably when I was renting a lot of the movies back then. But I didn't get to really appreciate it till like later on in life where I was like the that type of storytelling and the and the mood, the whole intro was like you know, they weren't doing that back then, those mm-hmm. type of movies. So uh it was a very scary movie if you really think about it. That that's like that's a scary movie to watch. Like at, to me that's like the uh, like the movies that come out now, like uh, Insidious and sort of like the the James Wan movies, because those are scary to me as well. But nothing like like the like the Conjuring. Like if you go back to like Halloween, I I feel like it's the same kind of type of feeling where like if you're a new person watching movies and the Conjuring's your introduction to it or whatever, mm-hmm. and maybe you were scared of that movie the beginning with Annabelle. Um, you'd probably get the same understanding as Halloween was back in the 70s where there was not those type of movies ever. And that was the first of its kind. Um, it's It was it was, it was a scary story, a scary movie. Agreed. And, you know, I didn't connect this until you just said this right now, but um, it's funny how when you look back at Halloween, it was filmed in the present at that time. But... A lot of like the James Wan movies, like the Conjuring series, are all filmed yeah. in the seventies. They're not filmed at a current time. There is something yeah. undeniable about that time being just kind of aesthetically scarier. Yeah, I think I think I never thought of it that way either. Because you're right, the Conjuring is supposed to be like back in the seventies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or maybe even the late sixties. Yeah, like I feel Annabelle. like Annabelle was. Was it the fifties or the sixties? And then the I don't think I've I don't think I've seen Annabelle. I don't only because I heard mixed reviews. It, like, it wasn't that good. No, it was not that good. I, okay, <laughs> see, so there, I mean, so it's not a mixed review. <laughs> like, I'm a movie snob. I am not a James Wan fan. The Conjuring okay. was incredible. There is that movie is undeniably good. Okay, I liked uh, uh, Insidious, um, The Conjuring. Yeah, then I like you know obviously, obviously I haven't seen Malignant, and oh then I, it I heard it was weird, but I like James Wan because he's he did Saw, which Saw was almost my top three. Hmm. Uh, the first the Saw, one? yeah, okay, yeah, the first Saw, and uh, but I watched all the Saws. Every time a new Saw would come out, me and my daughter would go see it, and she got into the we got into the whole like story arc of saw you know it's like and i was i thought where it should go 
kind of went the way I, I kind of predicted it when they did the last one. I haven't seen the last one called Jigsaw. I think that's on one of these streaming channels. That, I haven't did seen that it. Come out after Spiral did. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm thinking of Spiral. Is that what it's called? I thought it was called Jigsaw. Is there another one called Jigsaw? Yeah. Yeah, there was um, uh, there, Okay, okay. Was, so I haven't I seen those. That's okay. I don't remember which was which. I tried watching. The which one was with Chris Rock? Spiral. It's Spiral. Called, so I haven't seen that one. Book of Spiral is what they called it. It was. No, so it's a song. I still don't know if I can watch it because it's Chris Rock, and I like Chris Rock, but yeah, I just can't take him seriously in this I movie. It was a very, I mean, the thing is, if you like the original, like, I'm thinking of Saw 2, is that with um, Donnie Wahlberg? Yeah. Okay, then you, if you liked that one, then you will. I like that one. Then you'll like Spiral. It's a very good node to that. It was very cheesy, kind of the cop angle, and it just really yeah, okay. of, of that era of um, horror slash thriller, dark thriller. So you you might get some enjoyment out of it. Okay, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm. I'm not a James Wan fan, so I'm the wrong person to talk to about. Okay, and then I saw his films. other movie even before Saw with that doll. Um, Which one? Uh, what's it called? Oh, no, I'm curious. It was before Saw, or, or it was like maybe it was after Saw, but it's funny because oh, he. Not, it's not Annabelle. It's a different one. No, it's it's funny because he he has a nage to saw in that movie here i'll find it right now it's um I'm totally him up. it is called there's D- oh dead silence oh, de- oh dead I silence I so i think there's a scene where they're in the alley that one's good De- dead silence uh it's creepy hmm. <clears throat> um so he goes there's an alley uh scene and in the back, you see the Jigsaw, like, spiral logo. Oh. So he added, like, a, neat, a little Easter egg. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's that's Jigsaw. Nice. Like, I think you even see the face. Like, somebody spray-painted it. So I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't know he did Aquaman. Yeah. You know, I would be I would be curious for you to watch Malignant. Um. Yeah, I saw the... Tra- I, what was interesting when I saw the trailer of that is the... It kind of reminded me of something like something like the old movies used to do like Hitchcock and no. that the camera angle was above like above the house There's and going into rooms it's, oh I, I really want you to watch it and then report back to me but that's what intrigued me because I just saw because I'm into camera angles now so I'm like that angle is interesting to me like and I've only uh, uh, only time I've ever seen it is like uh, John Carpenter used it, uh, Alfred Hitchcock used it, where it's above, it's high, and it's actually like looking down. And I always think that's just an interesting shot. Like that just looks great to me. I'm like, so when I saw the trailer when that when that guy is running through the rooms and it's going above, I go, that looks kind of cool. Like looks kind of like interesting. But yeah, maybe I'll watch it. I think it's on HBO Max or one of those channels. I th- yes, I think it is. But I really, yeah. I. I, I want to hear your your take on it because it, I just don't have time to watch anything anymore. I'm always editing, but I'm trying to watch things. Like today, I spent all day mostly watching TV and getting caught up on some uh, reality shows. And yeah, I'm not watching horror all the time. I watch it r- very once in a while. Whatever catches my eye, like maybe I'll watch that one and mm. 
The one that was horrible was La Llorona. Have you seen that one? La Llorona? La Llorona. La, oh, okay. Okay, so you're saying it how it's supposed to be said. I'm saying it the way white people say it. La, la, la Rionia? Yeah, because it's Spanish. Yeah, it's a Spanish it's word, La Llorona, you know, la the la crying la woman. La Llorona. La la, it's like with a Y, La Llorona. Yo, yo, Rona. <laughs> I know. I'm clearly not Spanish. Um, that one was a waste of time. I agree, and it was so highly praised. I didn't. I don't know, know why. At all. They could have done so much more to that. Agreed. That story. You know, it's funny because when, and I'm sure you can relate to this too. And then I do want to talk about Halloween as well. Oh yeah, we got to get back to Halloween. But um. When you begin get into the mind frame of creating, it's you watch things in a very different mindset than when you're just a, a watcher, right? And yeah. there are so many movies that I have gone back to watch that I used to love or I, I didn't like, and now I'll watch as a from a creator standpoint, and I'll say, oh, they really, you know, they, they hit the mark on this, or they really dropped the ball on this. And yeah. That one, the CGI, I find that's the thing with James Wan, is the CGI in almost all of his movies is oh. way too much, and it just wrecks it. The Nun, oh, okay. the nun just was... I haven't seen that either. It was, okay. it was really bad. It was over the top, and Malignant is really bad for that. It's... Oh, that's too bad. Okay. Like, the practical effects are where it's at, honestly. Yeah, I agree. That's why, like, that's why the the and getting back to Halloween, mm -hmm. the practical effects that were used. And yeah, there's a lot of mistakes in the movie, but there's mistakes everywhere. And if you want to like be nitpicky, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, there's there's mistakes, but I mean, the the overall thing is that you're trying to get the message out as a story. And if you got the feeling of being scared or creeped out or whatever it is, and over overseas some people watch movies that are just looking for mistakes and i don't like watching movies like that or with people like that that just like well they did you see that they messed this up yeah. i'm like i go yeah i don't are you do you enjoy watching movies then or do you just enjoy watching the mistakes like <laughs> i don't know i make a lot of mistakes too but overall i'm trying to just tell the story and just get the character you know, yeah, there's some things that I could have done better, of course, and that's part of the learning process. But uh, um, John Carpenter had us did that in 20 days with hardly any budget, mm -hmm. and so they were there. Yeah, and that's why they had to use different people for different times because some people weren't available. People were, <clears throat> were working or going to school. <clears throat> this is the time that he had a do whatever scene he had to like do a pickup scene and which is why you know there's different michael myers in there because they had to like Three. <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think uh, deborah hill was one of them yeah actually that's one of the fun facts that i, I yeah i found out today and i love this and i'm gonna <clears throat> go back and watch it that she um, decided because she was one of the producers, obviously, and she yeah. decided to participate. And um, when they were shooting the scenes from Michael Myers's point of view, and it was um, when, when was it kid. was supposed to be the kid, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they, for any scenes where his hands came into view, that's where she came in. Yeah. And you can see that apparently they're manicured and varnished. 
And when I found that yeah. out, I thought, I want to go back and see this six-year-old manicures, <laughs> manicured. Yeah, I think know, I saw that, too. Fingernails, that's awesome. I love that. See, that gives it quirking character for me. I don't know. I like, you see, I like stuff like that because it's not mm -hmm. perfect. And it's like you can catch those little... It's fun to go back and watch and see that it wasn't perfect. And that's okay because... Overall, it's the it's that scene that sells it. It's the whole scene of him wearing the mask, and then you get shocked that it's the kid, because you don't know who it is. You think it's an adult, and then you realize it's a kid. Mm -hmm. And that was just a great intro. So they got the message across, you know, regardless. And the way it was shot was really that beginning was well done too. Just the 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 one camera that just follows in a room and goes to each room, goes upstairs. It was just done really well, you know. Because there's a lot of people on set, and you have to, everybody had to move out of the way. Uh, and you have to practice that. Like, you're going to move this way, but then you have to bring this light around here. I, I already know, like, that's kind of what it takes. Like, okay, everybody's got to, like, be in their positions, not be in frame. And if they are, you know, you're going you're gonna to see it. You got to do it over. You know, and so there's going to be little mistakes that, you know, that obviously were in the movie. But, yeah, they only had a few days to do that movie. They had to, like, just do the best they can. Well, and also as a creator, I'm sure, doesn't it almost give you a little bit of hope? Like, look at the, the status and the level that this movie is at now. And for, for yeah. us of the people who, who aren't at, you know that kind of following or the cult following where it's universally panned as such a good movie the things that we're creating just aren't seen by that volume of people that it gives you hope that movies that have those kind of insignificant little minor details that they're still so good and they yeah, get picked up exactly yeah now it's like a legendary movie you know they're making you know, they made three of them now, so. <clears throat> I know. I can't wait for the next. The next one's coming out in October, so. I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen Halloween Kills. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> I I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. H H2O <laughs> killed it for me. I have H2O. Been... I think that I, I watched that one in the theater. I think that one. I did too. <laughs> was okay i think it was not that great it was not the greatest but i think at that time there was i don't know there weren't that many good movies coming out like they were trying to rehash them but not really and you know they had freddy versus jason which was cheesy as well and mm -hmm. That's true. but h2o like okay so she has the son but then they kind of like just skipped that storyline with this new one where she's got a daughter and there's no mention of the sun. So I'm, I'm always like confused. Like I go, so are they just discounting that H2O movie? <laughs> or like, are they just like going to skip over that whole era of H2O? It was LL Cool J in that one, right? Yes. He was yeah. the security guy or what? officer, whatever, whatever he was. See, I like him, but no. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but you said you like the Rob Zombie movies. Oh, yes, for very different reasons. Okay, because I didn't like the second one that he yeah, did. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, I didn't like it so much that it ruined the first one for me. Did it? Yeah, that, that's how bad it's like. 
I've never had a movie be so bad that you made me want to hate the other one. <laughs> like, like, and I, I enjoy the first one um, that he did uh, in the beginning. And then when I started watching it again, I'm like, okay, it's a little too much. Like, why is Michael Myers like a wrestler? What? <laughs> Why is he grunting now? Like, he didn't grunt. See, that's, and one, it was just... that's one of the details that I did pick up on and I enjoyed. Because I guess what I was sort of thinking was from the perspective of being in the victim's chair and you have this psychotic, sociopathic brother coming at you. It, it, it's for sure scary when he's making no noise, but then when he's making these intense grunting sounds, when he's actually mm-hmm. killing somebody, and that's the only sound you get from him, it yeah. just really, viscerally affected me. I don't know. I That that particular part of the new Halloweens is what I really enjoyed. Right. Um, but I'm just, I'm biased. I don't know. I, Rob Zombie, I love him, but I am starting to acknowledge that, you know, he's not as good as I used to love him to be. I I am worried about the monsters that he's doing. Oh, it's PG rating. It's going to be... I believe it. ...really tame. No, I mean, you. that's what I'm saying. Like, what's the take going to be on that? Like, I have no idea. Are you going for a comedy, or is it... Like, I don't even know, like... why even do it i guess is the question well i hate to admit this and i don't know that i have fully ever admitted this before sherry moon zombie is one of my biggest celebrity crushes i think she is just fucking cat's meow i love her but she is a bad actress man she is a really bad actress and she I, i just can't see her doing this role i can't the she's lily muster right yes hmm visually they've hit the mark um i've been i follow him on social media so i've been watching i've seen yeah seen the posts yeah and she looks visually like like she could do it really well but to me she's only baby firefly and that is it and it's unfortunate but she just that's the only role she's ever been really successful in i think yeah so i'm like how is she gonna i don't know um not sure about this one. <laughs> I'm not sure about this one, but I'm gonna probably watch it because I'm a Monsters fan too. Did you you watched it when it was out in the what what time was that in the eighties? Oh, the the Monsters was a '60s show, so I wasn't born yet. But I watched the uh, the reruns, you know, mm-hmm. all throughout my life. There's always reruns of the Monsters. So that one, the Adams family, um, but oh, I like the monsters more. The monsters was just like, um, it was just funny. It was just a hilarious show. You enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, same with you know Adams family it was great too. Like they were just goofy. Everybody was just goofy, and it was like it was awesome though. Yeah, the Adams family was the one that I yeah. enjoyed, but it wasn't um, like part of it was the black and white. But I really got into the cartoon of the Adams family in the eighties. Oh, okay. I loved it. Loved it. Loved I used it. to also watch one a cartoon called The Groovy Ghoulies. Oh, I remember The Groovy Ghoulies. Yeah, yeah. I used to love that. I used to yeah. see. I was always into like stuff like that. So like monster stuff. Like, but The Groovy Ghoulies. I was. I used to wake up Saturday morning, just cannot wait to watch The Groovy Ghoulies. <laughs> I saw like at this Frankenstein's that it, they had The Groovy Ghoulies on DVD. I think, and I almost bought it. I was like, should I buy that? I mean, I don't know. I might not really watch it. 
but I wish they would stream that somewhere, you know, they so we should. can. Yes. They should stream that somewhere. Well, and all the retro shows are making such a comeback that you yeah. think it would pop up someplace. Yeah, I gotta look into it more. I just thought about it now because of the of the monsters. It kind of reminded me of kind of like the Groovy Go. It was just a goofy, goofy show, you know. But it had all the werewolf, Dracula, totally. Frankenstein. You know, I had all the Mummy. I think was in the Groovy Ghoulies too. I'm not sure. They had a band too. I don't know. It was goofy too. Like they <laughs> <No>. played. <laughs> I, I've gotten my kids into the original Scooby Doo's, and that's been oh really yes. Fun. Because I used to watch that too. Totally. Yes. You've got the Frankensteins. You've got yeah. monsters. And I know. All the monsters in that one, yeah. Mm -hmm. really yeah, the original is the good one, not the ones that they came out later on with. Oh, no, no, no. They, my kids I tried watching those. Because they're, they're children, but <laughs> like, no, let's watch the original show, please. Yeah, the original is the awesome. Those, are, those I got to find somewhere too to watch. It's very nostalgic, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Raul. This was such a great, fun thank you. episode. Do you have anything upcoming you want to share with us? Uh, the things I do have upcoming is the magazine that's coming out in May, as I said earlier. Mm -hmm. But um, the other thing that we're working on, speaking of Saw, is we're going to do a Saw, like three or four minute video short um, pretty soon. I think I'm hoping in mid-may we'll start we'll film that one so we're actually using uh the scary closet who who makes those annabelle dolls he makes all like these dolls from the pl same place that they made the dolls at i guess mm -hmm. he makes them and he sells them but we're going to do something with the animatronics with this with the actual jigsaw puppet oh. and so we're gonna rent this warehouse and I just got to write a good storyline out for like, like what kind of like story we're going to tell with that, just the victim point of it. So look out for that one. And then the next one I wanted to do is another Halloween tribute, like the original Halloween, but um, not the original Halloween, but like the last one, Halloween Kills. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's going to be like Michael Myers is terrorizing somebody else in the middle of the night. Um, it's going to be a scene like that where they're trying to get away from him and maybe he kills him at the end. But I want to do a, a tribute to Halloween. And um, I already got somebody you know, to play Michael Myers. And we're just trying to find a date and a um, exactly who we're going to use as, as the actors. So I know one of them is on board already. We just need one more. And so that's coming out hopefully be, before the year is up for sure. So those are two videos, shorts that I'm working on. Then eventually I want to do my original zombie movie that I've had in my head for a couple of years that I'm hoping to get off the ground. Now, that'll be a, a little bit more of a legitimate short. It might be five to ten minutes long. Um, I try not to make them too long, so that, that'll that be something I'm, I'm going to work on as well. Uh, it's a zombie apocalypse kind of storyline that I had in the other thing I have is my shirts, the Infernal Tees that are on my website. So the two designs are on there. I'm going to put some more designs eventually um, as soon as I think of them. But uh, uh, the Roll of the Dead shirts I'll put there as well eventually. And the two designs that are there are, are available for whenever anybody wants to get it. And yeah, that's that's it. Everything else is just going to be as, as, it, as it comes. You know, I'll start working on any ideas that 
that come my way and get them out there. And I appreciate you for having me on your podcast as well. It was a great conversation. It was a pleasure. You're, you're very inspiring as a horror creator and a horror model. I look at your images and I'm like, Oh, thank you so much. You should, you should come out and uh, let me know anytime you're in LA again. I wish I, I love, love your, your neck of the woods. I appreciate you saying the nice words as well and having me on your podcast. Uh, That means a lot to me. I didn't think anybody would really want to get me on a podcast, but I've done like, like I said, I've done a few of them now. So I'm glad people are asking me and are interested in what I do. So, and I don't mind talking about it. So thank you so much. your website and i saw the video of you talking about it it it's nice to connect what you look like with your words right it's it was a good it's inspiring okay cool yeah because i wasn't sure like i don't know if i should be anonymous or not some people like to be like that but um i'm not i don't really care like I want to I want to talk about what I'm what I'm doing, and the best way to do that is show show the videos, and even if it's behind the scenes. Oh, I do have something uh, coming out, uh, a, an online workshop. So, like I said earlier, I did two workshops uh, on locations. So this is the one we did with my friend Nina, who is the bloody Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be about forty five minutes to an hour of a, a online workshop that I'm actually working on now. I'm still editing that one. But in there, I discussed everything, the settings on my camera, the lighting, uh, and you watch everything I'm doing as step-by-step step to the final image and to the final editing processing, which I have, I'm going to film that uh, at, the end of the, at the end of it. I still need to film the, the editing part of it, uh, which wasn't a lot of editing, um, so it's, it's going to be really quick, but... That workshop will be available probably for for a price. I don't know what yet because I don't know what it's gonna, how long it's gonna be yet, or how much work. It's so far it's a lot of work. <laughs> I know that it's yeah. just taking me a long time to edit that down. Uh, but that's coming out hopefully before June, July. I want to get it out by the summer and have like an online workshop where people can, because I have a lot of people that don't live in LA and they can't come out to my workshops and I ask if I'm gonna do a workshop. If I do travel or anything, I go, no, you know, I'll just do an online one where you can just go to this. I'll explain everything on there uh, and help people, you know, up their photography as well. And and we can talk about it as well. So I'll, I'll have all that stuff set up pretty soon. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I will absolutely and, link that in here. Yeah. And all that stuff is going to be on my website, rolloftheadphotography.com. So look out for that stuff coming out. And the magazine, don't forget. That's the, that's all my back issues are, are available on my website as well. So if anybody's interested, you can get my magazine on my website as well. Yes, and I saw that you, you've got varying tiers you can buy too. You've got the got, images and then the... I have some images that I'm selling on there as well. Some some uh, some older ones, but some I think I have the one I did with Mary as La Llorona and a Pennywise one, and Silent Hill. I think those prints I still have for sale on the website as well. Nice, perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, I'm just it was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, it was a pleasure talking to you.